Well, you know, today is going to be an exciting day simply because Keith is wearing a tie. Yes, Keith is wearing a tie. I have no idea why, but he is. So on Media Insultant today, we're going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, for example, do you listen to five hours of audio per day? Eh, we'll find out. Do you think that the federal coffers should be subsidizing local journalism? And I get called out by a former manager of an operation that we ran for several years. We've got opinions. You ran. <laughs> That's right. I did. <laughs> We've got opinions on these topics and so much more. I'm Jackson Weaver and sharing my opinions with the famous guy with a tie, Keith Samuels, who disagrees with me from time to time. Well, actually, he only disagrees with me when he's right. <laughs> so <laughs> let's do this. For Thursday, October 14th, Keith, this is the Thursday edition of Media Insultant. Five hours a day of audio listening. You think that's uh, a reasonable amount? This is a study Westwood One did that that the average audio listener, that's radio and podcast and whatever else you want to listen to, music, streaming, listens five hours a day. I think that's nonsense. I mean, maybe if you commute from Chicago to Omaha every day, but really? 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 Yeah, really. Um, yeah. I, I just go, my gosh, I listened to, I listened to five hours of, of audio yesterday. Um, you know, it was an easy Sunday morning, and so I uh, I got the I fired up the Sonos speakers, got my iPhone out, and dialed up. I streamed a uh, a local non-com radio station that plays the Brazilian Hour. My my wife loves Brazilian music, so we play the Brazilian Hour from nine to ten, and then at ten o'clock I switched over to uh, Sundays with Sinatra on another non-com station here in Los Angeles. And listen to that for an hour, and then when that was done, well, I I didn't listen for a full hour because they're they were doing their pledge drive, and so it, it just you know these five minute breaks on pledge drives, I, I was done with it. So I switched over to uh, a Brazilian channel on uh, on Apple. So Apple Music, which I do pay for disclosure every month, um, you know. So we listened to Brazilian for a couple hours, and then we switched over to smooth jazz on on another Apple station. And I think we probably put in eight or nine hours of audio yesterday. All right. I didn't hear a single. I didn't hear a single commercial. That's problematic for most of us in the in the business. But you know, Keith, there really, if you think about it, really, there are only so many opportunities for audio listening. And automobiles have been the key thing, and that's been chipped away. Probably 40% of that has been chipped away. And then the other mm -hmm. thing is that with pandemic hitting, there are fewer people who are driving to work, or they're driving to work three days a week instead of five. So there's only so much opportunity. I just I don't see five hours. I, that just strikes me <laughs> as a big, big number. But I have nothing to back up my opinion other than my own anecdotal kind of evidence. But, you know, how does this affect podcasting? Because they say that podcasting, this Westwood One study says podcasting audiences listen 41% to more audio than the average bear, than the average audio listener. So uh, why? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of my thinking. What, you know, what makes podcasts so interesting that they're listening to that much more audio? I, I I don't know, and I don't know that listening to a podcast, and and we know that you know seventy five seventy eighty percent of podcast listening sh listenership is to like twelve podcasts, you know, and so if, if I'm such an an NPR podcast freak that I'm going to be listening to hours and hours and hours of of podcasts that I've downloaded from NPR, 
that I'm going to then, the, the non-podcasting moments that I have in my life, I'm going to go run to the radio and turn on my NPR station to listen to it more? Yeah, I guess. Um, am I so into true crime podcasts that I'm going to flip on, you know, John and Ken in the afternoon on KFI to hear about real crimes in real cities like L.A.? I don't see the connection between podcasting and radio listenership. Okay, I, I don't get that. I, streaming, I could get. You know, if I if I love my smooth jazz, I'm going to stream it and I'm going to listen to the smooth jazz station. Or if it's classical, I'm going to listen to classical and I'm going to stream classical. I kind of get that, but I don't get the, the I don't get the connection between podcast and then immediately flipping over onto some radio de- audio device I have in my house or in my car, that I'm going to become a bigger radio listener. Here's the point. Pierre Bouvard and Westwood One are, are, are their mission in life right now. And I love Pierre. I've known him for 35 years. Pierre is, is, a, is a one-man radio, now audio, PR guy. And he's great at it because that's been his entire background and his entire life. So they're pushing audio impressions. It's audio this, audio that. So when the big sales guys roll into the big agencies in New York, it's not just on air at at Odyssey or Westwood One radio stations or networks. It's, oh, we got all these podcast impressions, we've got streaming impressions, and we've got over-the-air impressions. We got impressions up the you-know-what. So let's, so please buy us because we're the place to go for uh, lots of impressions. And we're going to see this going on, you know, uh, you know, ad, infin- ad infinitum. Yeah, and it's, uh, it, it's interesting because I think we're going to see uh, more of a uniformity of platforms here pretty quickly. I noticed the other day that Audi is really advocating for the what they call a hybrid model, which is where you listen to a radio station. And when the signal gets bad or you get out of its range, it switches over to the stream which always raises to me the question, well, then why not just listen to the stream? But I think that hybrid model could be uh, a a further advancement in terms of really putting all of this on one platform, which is going to be great for the listener, gets to be really problematic for those of us who are involved in local ad-supported media. So... Yeah, and and the and the, the one downside of that Audi, Audi strategy is that place where you probably don't have a great radio signal, you're probably not going to get a great cell signal either. Well, and, not necessarily. <laughs> you drive you drive out of uh, you drive out of the range if if you're driving from L.A. to to Palm Springs, you got a great signal cell signal all the way, but you wouldn't yeah, be able true. to carry an FM signal all the way. Okay. Uh, yeah, for you could get seventy-five percent of LA's uh, radio signals on the, all the way to to, uh, to to Beaumont, anyway. Well, okay. Um, I think, but that, you know, but here's but here's the thing: you're you're driving I ninety, and you're commuting from uh, from Kirkland to uh, to downtown to your uh, your big high rise office in downtown. Oh, wait, nobody goes to work in Seattle anymore. But let's just say you did, and you go through the I-90 tunnel. So, so how messed up does your, your hybrid audio device get when it's trying to find the over-the-air signal, trying to find a stream signal, and, and by the time you get out on the other side, it's flipped to Como anyway, so it doesn't matter. You know. <laughs> well, uh, it, you know, you can, you can pick at my theory, which is fine, but the fact remains that I think we're going to see a real homogenization of of these platforms anyway. Yeah. And, and obviously the stream is going to be very important in that, in that element. And you're right. You're, it's going to, to not lose that sig that, that station affiliation. And I want to be listening to that station. I'm just going to listen to the stream or we might just go to our satellite radio. Well, let, 
That's a totally different deal. So let's go there later. <laughs> All right. I get called out on something else where uh, I made a mistake or apparently some people thought I was made, made a mistake. That is coming up shortly here on Media Insultant. Uh, Keith, uh, local journalism is at the government trough here again. The Local Journalism Sustainability Act is being proposed in Congress now. And the NAB supports it. Uh, Ron Stone at the IBA supports it. Most state associations report it. And I mean, Gee, it, why would they support it? Why would they support it so actively, Jackson? Because there's so much money involved. What? Follow the money. We've been through that before. Here's basically what they've offered to do. The government would come up with some money and pay 50% of a news salary staff or news staff salary up to $50,000 per head. Now, it's for a period of four years. It's capped at 1,500 employees per company. And wow. my theory is that, is that at that rate, everybody on every radio, every TV station is a journalist. <laughs> We're all journalists. <laughs> And, you know, in addition to that, it's this huge giveaway to the TV stations. They're the ones who have the large news organizations. And right. let me point out, they are not the ones who need it. They're all, all the good groups are operating at 25 to 30% cash flow margins. They're doing fine. Local newspapers, local radio stations don't have journalists. They got a, they've either got an online service or they've got somebody who comes in on Thursdays and Fridays and does the news locally or whatever. But And the same issue with the newspaper. So I guess my question is also at core, the big question, it doesn't solve any problem. It's a four-year program. It's a Band-Aid. An, and it being a windfall for the broadcasters is nice. But come on, how do we solve the problem and, and not put a Band-Aid on it? Any thoughts? Well, yeah, I don't think they're trying to solve a problem with broadcast at all. I think they could care less about the you know the future of of, of your local morning radio newsman. You know, um, I don't think they care about that. And and you're right, TV stations really don't need the help, but they'll be at the trough anyway. What they really do care about is that all the guys that own newspapers that are losing their ass and letting and slashing newsroom employment because that's the only place there are employees at a newspaper anymore. They've slashed sales staffs down to be maybe a tenth of what they were. Um, you know, they, 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 they still have to deal with the union guys that are printing the paper, and soon you won't have a printed paper in a lot of these cities because it's just too expensive to print, to print them and to pay for the printing and to pay for the delivery of that paper onto your front porch every day. It's the last thing these newspaper companies want to do because it's so freaking expensive. So what's left? It's the newsrooms. And so Congress is so concerned about the disappearing local newspaper um, news, you know, uh, uh, staffers. And so if there's nobody writing in the newspapers about the local politician, well, then who is? So, um, you know, that's where they're really trying to, to, to help sustain. Uh, and, and that is that, you know, we need more of these local reporters because they do such a great job covering local news. Well, that you know, give, you know, you might not think that sometimes. And talking to a lot of local media or newspaper advertisers, they don't think they're covering no local news, you know, at all. But the fact of the matter is, that's who they're trying to save. They're trying to prop up these newspaper newsrooms to keep those guys from slashing any further their uh, their news coverage. Their news coverage. Yeah, I think that uh, you're you're absolutely right on that. This is just proposed. I'm not sure it's going to get anywhere in Congress. You know, it does anything get anywhere in Congress? But that's. 
that's another that's another discussion. <laughs> so this final segment, Keith, is uh, actually a little more personal than professional, uh, although I think everybody will find it a little interesting. Uh, my company recently ran a media market cluster of stations, KGYKO, in Olympia, Washington, and I replaced a 50-year veteran by the name of Dick Post at the station, and he really disagreed with one of my major decisions during a recent interview. Now, let me give you a little background. <laughs> Uh, the, the market had been dominated by this one kilowatt station forever. It had made a fortune for the owners. They became very wealthy on it, and then it wasn't working so well. And so it was one of those uh, AMs. I had a client once who, when I first got to town who said, KGY, oh, yeah, everybody knows KGY. Nobody listens, but everybody knows KGY. I know about it. Yeah, exactly. So we chose to sell KGY AM, move the format to a translator, a good one that covered the market, and both stations uh, really thrived. They were, we had an FM country. We had a, a classic uh, hits oldies. Both stations thrived with that. But in a recent interview, Dick Poost, the gentleman that had been with the station for 50 years, vehemently disagreed with our decision. We did sell the AM when I was operating the radio station, and mm-hmm. we moved the format to an FM translator. We kept the call letters signature. We kept it as a, as a uh, marketing icon, not as a legal call letter. Do you think, uh, do you think that was a mistake? Yes. Tell me why. Absolutely. That was a mistake, Jackson. <laughs> Good. I want to hear, I want to hear your feeling on it, Dick. If you have three letter call letters, you're one of the historic radio stations to give up those three letter call letters was unnecessary, and you should have kept them. So we should have kept them on the FM? Yes. Okay, good. Good. KGY, those three call letters were very important. They're historic. And now if you go to the FCC list of radio stations, you won't find KGY there anymore. No, it's a, it's a good point. Part of our thinking on that, and I don't mean to be defensive on this, but part of our thinking is the market has changed from a diary, diary market to a PPM market. So no longer does anybody have to write down the call letters. They are picked up with an electronic device, a personal people meter. And so the call letters really don't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is if somebody's listening to you that, you know, that they can find you, one, on the radio dial, and two, that their PPM meter is on. So that had a lot to do with deciding whether to stick with KGY. That's just a short segment of the full interview we did with Dick Post. If you wanted to see the full 25 minutes, it's posted on our website, intownmedia.com. Kind of interesting for people who've been in small markets or medium market radio. And for another week, Keith, we've done a wrap on Media Insultant. And and my question is, you're wearing a tie. Are you interviewing? Are you going to go to another podcast? Is that what's going on? <laughs> yeah, you you sound like a paranoid manager. Remember, we always used to think that, like somebody show up for work in a blue suit and a tie, and they never do that. You kind of go, oh shit, they're interviewing somewhere. <laughs> Some you were glad, and most you were going, no, don't go. What's going on? So I thought it'd freak you out a little bit. No, I'm not going to another podcast. I'm not interviewing for Ron DeCastro's job in New York, although that would be pretty good, you know. We could, we could job share that deal and uh, make a lot of dough, um, but the, the commute's going to be a, a, a real drag. So no, no, I just thought I'd change up the, uh, it's fall, it's a little cool weather here in LA, and it, you know, I thought it was tie weather. Maybe next week I'll have a blazer on. Well, we'll look forward to your sartorial choices for next week. We do this every Tuesday and Thursday. Keith, until next week, uh, thank you so much. It's been a great week. 
I'll see you next week. Have a great weekend, Jackson. See you then.